Hey, do you want to hear the crudest joke I ever thought up? Sure. When Marge gives head, Homer is the one that gets hair stuck in his teeth. What the fuck? That's right. What we're the fuck? <laughs> what does that have to do with anything we're talking about today? Nothing. A Riverdale Nothing. recap podcast. What the fuck was that? <laughs> Here to talk about chapter 99, The Witching Hour, parentheses S, by Arabella Anderson, directed by James DeWill. What the it's the crudest joke I ever thought Why of. Why did you think of that? Why? Why did you think of it and then feel the need to share? If it, if I'm going to share it anywhere, I'm going to share it here on this show. No, you're just going to share it on Twitter. <laughs> this episode is not what I was expecting. We're expecting a lot more Sabrina. I was expecting a lot more witchery in general from the title alone. And also, like... Cheryl-focused episode. All Cheryl all the time. Mm-hmm. I was expecting big Cheryl. I was expecting loud Cheryl. Yeah. No, we get the the sad, abused, don't we feel bad for this person who dishes it out just as much as she takes. Like, that's not the fun Cheryl. Yeah. And then not as much Sabrina. I was like, that. that's what we held out for? Eh, she was, she was just in town for like an hour. <laughs> Yeah. So let us begin. Jughead is wearing a cravat in his little suit. Yeah, yeah. While while speaking directly to camera, as expected in Rivervale, Uh from the foyer of Thornhill. And welcoming us all there. And, uh, you know, telling us what we know, that this is a house of secret and mysteries. Quote, the most haunted place in Rivervale. I should hope so. Um, and that, uh, you know, it's 7 a.m. And the women of Thornhill, past and present, are waking up. Because this is not one story, but three stories in parallel that will all converge. Because, of course, they will. So we got Cheryl in the present day. Mm -hmm. We have Poppy in 1957. Poppy Seed Blossom. I was like, Poppy Blossom, okay. And then at one point, yeah, they call her Poppy Seed Blossom. And I'm like, well, fuck. (laughs) That might have been a joke. It was Alice saying it. Or rather, a no. 1950s character played by Madchen Amick meant to parallel Alice saying that. No, like, Alice would be the only person who knows Poppy's full name and That's would true. use it <laughs> with spite. That That is a deep callback to, like, season one, Alice. Yes. Uh, and then we have 1892 Abigail Blossom. We've heard of Abigail Blossom. She's, yes. She's back. So, you know, this will be one story that echoes across time. And to show the parallels of of these three women uh, and how united they are, basically we see all of them getting dressed in the morning, getting prepared for their day, putting their faces on, with a whole lot of match cuts just showing them in alignment. Somebody's a fan of Satoshi Kon. I see you. I see you. And they all have the same spider brooch. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's a family heirloom. 
apparently. And this whole opening segment is dialogue-free. We, we see other characters come, but, like, when uh, all of Poppy's friends come over for the sewing circle, they are uh, silent. Uh, uh, it's a salon. It's a salon, yes. And when Abigail's students come in, it's silent. Mm-hmm. And when Cheryl welcomes her students in, it's silent. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it is... All silent uh, until... uh, Until Abigail gets another visitor, a prospective new teacher at her school. Yes. An ancestor of Tony Topaz. Thomasina Topaz. Yeah, the name drop doesn't happen until deep into the scene, but yes. That's who it is. Yeah. But before we, like, learn much about her, Mm -hmm, we mm -hmm. have to, to go back to Cheryl and her students. Yes. And she's like, okay... What we're going to talk about today is comets, mm-hmm. specifically Bailey's Comet. Bailey's Comet comes uh, every 65 years around St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. Little, little, little Bailey's. Mm. Uh, Bailey's Comet goes great with coffee. And leprechauns, <laughs> apparently. Uh, Britta is like, Mistress Cheryl, <laughs> will Nana Blossom be joining us tonight for the watching of the comet? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What we find out is, no, you're all going to go on that hill and watch it alone. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to hang out with Nana, who's not doing well. We find out that Nana Rose is is basically bedridden. She's on death's door. Yes. And so Cheryl is planning to do some things to help her <laughs> transition. You know, things. Some, some witchy things. Another note, much like last week, there's a callback to the first run of Riverdale tie-in comics. Yeah. Uh, uh, the other best issue is about Dilton Doily thinking that Bailey's Comet is a sign of an oncoming apocalypse and locking Jughead in the sex hole. Oh. Which is actually the first appearance of the sex hole. <laughs> oh. So, so Cheryl goes to Nana and she's like, Nana, tonight is the night we've been waiting for. The comet's coming. Mm-hmm. So like, Roseanne Blossom, you need to tell me, are you <laughs> sure you want to go down this path? Yeah, they're doing some sort of mysterious, nefarious spell, the true nature of which we will not learn until well after it is cast, even. Yes. But it is a spell that requires story time. Part of the preparation is Cheryl reading the diaries, the, the family tales of uh, Abigail and Poppy before her. Yes. So, so we go to uh, learn about Poppy, who is hosting one of her many salons, mm-hmm. not sewing circles. Thank you very much. There wasn't a lot of sewing happening, to be fair. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Let's be honest. A sewing circle back then was an excuse to drink and chat. Just like book clubs. Like book club. Yeah. Yeah. Pop- Poppy is there with with uh, all of her lady friends. Who are all of the, the lady regular cast. Yes. But playing people 65 years older than usual. Yes. Well, in the past, but they're all like playing around their their age of their characters. Yeah, just I, different I, people. Exactly. They're not pay, playing like senior citizens. <laughs> but if these characters were in present day Rivervale, they, they would, would be. They would be. Yes. That's this, that's yeah, what I meant. Yeah. One of the ladies sticks around afterward, uh, and it is uh, someone she affectionately calls Tan Tan. Yeah, Tan Tam Tate. Uh, Tammy Tate. 
is actually her name. Her name is actually Tammy. And she wants to be a working woman. So Poppy is like, oh, I know just the thing. Here's some herbs to make Pop Tate puke his guts out so he can't go into to the chocolate shop so that you get to save the day and run the chocolate shop for a night. See how it goes. Old Pop Tate, not current Pop Tate. Yeah, even Pop Tate isn't 65. 65 now. He was like a baby. Mm-hmm. So yes, we're, we're talking about Pop Tate's father, the soulless man yes. who was saved by Pop Tate. So this would be... Pop Tate's mom. Yes. But yeah, so here, put these herbs in his food, make him puke a lot, mm-hmm. save the day. Mm-hmm. She's like, great, this is wonderful, thank you so much. <laughs> just like, don't take them to work with you because then you're just going to go out of business. Yeah, that's no good. You're not going to save the day that way. <laughs> nope. Don't get it confused with the salt. But Abigail, 65 years earlier, is having another meeting, uh, a job interview, essentially. Uh, with Thomasina, yes. Uh, and she uh, is asking her, like, yo, I see you have, you know, teaching experience, but, like, what happened to your old school? Oh, my old school closed. Much like Southside High. But in this case, it's not for, for drugs or uh, real estate scams. It was because of the pox. Yes. Abigail's like, oh, yes, the pox is rampant in our land. Have you been afflicted? <laughs> uh, we, we do find out that uh, Abigail's brother James is fighting in the war. You know, the Spanish-American War. Probably. Not usually the war you think about, but yeah, they're, they're down south. Uh, and so she um, asks her a question that would now not be allowed by, like, any, like, any rules. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. But it's like, so are you married? Yeah, Thornhill is not an equal opportunity employer. She gives a very long pause, <laughs> which is the type of pause that's like, oh, you're going to fucking lie. She's like, oh, no, no, I'm not married. And Abigail's like, oh, good. I have no need for women with husbands. I have no need for women with husbands. <laughs> now, women with wives... I'd like yeah. to make a few. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm open. Uh, but just just uh, uh, for the record, Thomasina Topaz does hail from Greendale. That is where her closed school was located. Mm-hmm. As they shake hands on like, yes, we will be teaching buddies, mm-hmm. the candle next to them suddenly ignites. And 65 years later, and 65 years later after that, all three of these Blossom women are by the same candle that ignites on its own. Spontaneously igniting candles is not a good thing. Like, you don't want those around. That is very unsafe. Especially if you're not home. Like, they're they're okay. Like, there's a worse scenario. (laughs) Like, what if your cat is just hanging out by it? We do know that historically, at least in Riverdale, Thornhill is rather flammable. Yeah. 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 Abigail is conducting a lesson with her students uh, that is going to be on proper table etiquette. At first, I was very confused because I thought, this is nothing Cheryl would teach. I didn't realize it was Abigail because the two of them dress so alike. Oh my gosh. It's easy to tell when it's Poppy. (laughs) Poppy's hair is different. That's what helps so much. Yeah, yeah. But Cheryl is so gothic that, like, 1890s fashion still kind of looks present day. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes it's like, oh, fuck, who are we talking about? <laughs> and, like, Abigail runs around with, like, holding, like, candle labras all the time. Well, and we know that's what Cheryl does. Mm-hmm, We've seen mm-hmm. her do it, like, 20 times. 
I did not realize this was Abigail until until Thomasina walked into the scene. <laughs> so Thomasina does come in, uh, and she uh, is like, "Oh no, I think we should learn about Bailey's comet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's coming. It'd be an extra excellent science lesson for the girls." And uh, Abigail's very like, that is not a proper ladylike thing to learn about. And we are not going to the woods. No. And no. Our curriculum is about table manners and what to do when sharing bowls for soup. Not astronomy and certainly not independence. (laughs) We're not going to teach impolite topics from the work of men. Oh. And Thomasina's like, why the fuck not? They have the power. Like, let's uprise yeah come on we we want the power and the appa- power apparently the power comes from knowing about comets fight the power get the power be the comet be, be the, the comet? comet they they have a little argument there um but we gotta go c- catch up with poppy it is another salon uh poppy's story takes a much much longer time yes than i uh, like poppy's story is like a year or more yeah while Abigail's story is, I don't know, two weeks? Yeah. I mean, it depends on how long Thomasino was, was working there before the next character gets introduced. True. And Cheryl's story is one night. <laughs> one day. Just, <laughs> just as long as it takes to tell these two stories. Uh, so Poppy is having um, her, her salon, and she's discussing Bailey's comet coming. Uh, mm-hmm. She's like, oh, I hear that's coming, you know. Later this week, and um, Tammy's like, oh, we could have a viewing party on top of uh, the roof of Pops. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I don't know why you need to be on the roof. You could probably just be, like, in the parking lot, but sure. (laughs) You're closer to the sky on the roof. (laughs) Alice, but not Alice. We never actually find out what her name is. They are throwing around names in this scene in particular, left, right, and center, just so everybody has one. But I don't think they ever name her. Only one of these characters is significant at all, and it's not the one Alice is doubling as. Uh, but she she reacts to this like, well, isn't that curious? Didn't the Russians just launch that Sputnik? Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like maybe the comet that comes by every sixty five years is actually the Russians spying on them. So so yes, our Alice double is uh, paranoid and xenophobic, just as we we love an Alice Cooper to be. While uh, our Veronica double, Velma, Velma is just which isn't Velma. Is Velma the name she used for her blonde wig? Maybe, but she's just an idiot. <laughs> is she the one that's like, are children safe in school? <laughs> oh, and then we find out. That Wendy Weatherby yes. was just arrested for conspiring with the communists. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Is this Waldo's uh, uh, older sister, maybe? Like a much older sister or a mother? It's gotta be a mother, because, like, think, like. Cousin? Aunt? We- Weatherby's, like, in his 50s, mm-hmm, maybe mm-hmm. 60s. I don't feel like it could be a sibling. I think this is a very funny exchange. There's some some great panic language of like, mm-hmm. but she bleeds red for the United States. Well, now she's just red. Yeah, my one note for this whole scene is Cold War. Do you get it? <laughs> uh, we're terrified of the bomb. Oh. And this is when, um, so, so Poppy like speaks up and she's like, 
stop this. I don't believe in like any type, you know, just, just stop what you're talking about. And this is when Alice is like, poppy seed blossom. <laughs> Do you not believe in it? I guess the, the communism. I don't, I, I don't know what she was asking. <laughs> actually. And Poppy responds, well, I just don't believe in witch hunts of any kind. I guess all these salons, though, end with one of the members asking Poppy for a little extra help afterward. And this time it's Betsy's turn. Uh, Which Mrs. Betsy Jones. Which I have to point out that what drives me crazy is like none of the actors in this say Betsy. They all say Bitsy. Maybe I just wrote it wrong. Maybe her no, name is Bitsy. the subtitles, it's Betsy. Well, sometimes the closed captioning is wrong, too. But most of the time, it sounded like they were saying Bitsy. And it was, I was like, what is her fucking name? <laughs> we're going between two different names. And at this point where I'm just like, is that is that supposed to be Hal's mom? Is she the one that, like, subliminally programs him to be a serial killer? And then I'm like... No, there's no way I can make this timeline work, <laughs> but I don't have to because it's River Vale. It's different. I can stop now. <laughs> I give myself permission to stop. And anyway, her surname is Jones. So uh, What we find out is that, you know, she's not very happy in her marriage to Jack Jones. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he thinks the answer to, you know, improving their marriage is to have another baby. A second baby. Because it were great the first time, apparently. And so Poppy's like, well, have you considered divorcing his ass? <laughs> She's like, no, I that... couldn't. He's Catholic. I do wish she would have asked, well, are you? <laughs> this episode, you, you can't help but think about what we know about past generations, because that's something that comes up in Riverdale a lot. But you have to leave all that at the door, because, yeah, the guy played by uh, Cole Sprouse is not Forsyth the First. No. It's Jack. Yes. Not nothing is real. It's all entirely different. Yes. And Poppy's like, well, maybe this is more about just not getting pregnant. Mm. Birth control. Uh, uh. So she's got some special herbs. Oh, we we do uh, find out that Doctor Curdle mm-hmm. does exist here. A Doctor Curdle. A Doctor Curdle, and apparently he is not supportive of the birth control. Unlike, I guess, the son of Curdle, or perhaps grandson of Curdle, we have in Rivervale. I'm sure he's all about family planning. Yeah. I mean, I feel like he would be like, well, I have this old wives' tale remedy. <laughs> yeah. Breathe into my frog. <laughs> That's a solution for everything. Everything. Put the frog in the baby mouth. Breathe into the frog. Uh, rub the frog on your head. Actually, I would never go to him for any sort of reproductive issue because I don't want to know where he's putting that frog. Shove the frog. I don't want to shove the frog. I don't let want the, it. Let it jump around a little. I don't want to let the frog jump around in there. Let the let the frog just kind of crawl. I don't. I don't know. Maybe this doctor Curdle is. That's the problem. Is that instead of like giving birth control, he just does frog he medicine, does and frog. that's why everyone goes to Poppy. Is <laughs> because they're like, I want the fucking frog medicine. Mrs. Jones, you're the first person to realize that I'm actually a veterinarian. <laughs> I just like wearing this circular mirror on my forehead. So Poppy gives her some ginger root. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then she's like, you know, have some of this and it'll make sure you don't start baking a bun in the oven. If you get what I mean. So, so yeah, now we're getting our, our uh, classic link between accusations of witchcraft and 
natural cures and folk medicine, especially relating to women's health. Yep. Uh, and so they hug, but then their hug lingers. And then we learn another way to keep from getting pregnant. Just smooching ladies. Yeah. <laughs> Homosexuality is 100% effective in birth control. Yeah. Well, not entirely, but it's pretty good. It helps. And so they then they break away. <gasps> and Betsy's like, oh, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have. Oh. And Poppy's like, it's okay. We didn't do anything wrong. And just the thought of this not being wrong seems to horrify yet intrigue Bitsy slash Betsy. So then we go check in on Thomasina Mm -hmm. and Abigail. And Abigail's apologizing, apologizing to Thomasina that she was in the wrong, that she did some reflection, and she's right, that they uh, should teach the girls for a world that might not exist yet, but hopefully someday will. Yeah, let's fuck these kids up. We're going to fill their heads with nonsense. And then they smooch. Is is this the new lesson plan? Is, is After we learn which fork is which, we, we do tongue stuff? And then they smooch more. <laughs> So it's salon time again. You'll notice we are not spending any time with Cheryl. Cheryl is not important yet. And then uh, Poppy uh, has to get, like, snapped out of it Mm -hmm. by Velma, which this is very much a clue to something that happens later on. Yeah. Yeah. So, yes, Velma snaps wake Poppy from some some haze induced by remembering her ancestor 65 years ago getting laid. Velma's like, so my husband has... He's been a bit vanilla in the bedroom, and I want to <laughs> spice things up with the mister, but like, I don't know what to do. And Poppy's like, oh, I have some spice for you, and hands her a copy of the Karma Sutra. And, and she's <laughs> like, yes, it's the Karma Sutra. It's the bee's knees. <laughs> Gee willikers. And she's like, not only that, take this. And sprinkle that into his roast beef, and he'll never want to leave your bed. Did she literally mean, like, roast beef the meal, or, like, his roast beef? No, no, she's the one with the beef curtains. You're confused how it works. The roast beef, wink, wink. And she had to come to him, because otherwise he'd be like, take my frog and just... (laughs) (laughs) Take my frog, please. Take my frog and place it on his lily pad. Hello, my baby. Oh, my God. No, why? I hate it in this town. You like that? Yeah. So back in the deeper past, there is yet another visitor to Thornhill in 1890s Thornhill. It is Constable Keller. He has come a-knocking, seeking a harlot murderess. With quite the mustache. Oh my god, Constable Keller's little mustache. Abigail's way of dealing with this uh, is to yell through the door, There's a case of the pox here! Plague (laughs) upon this house! Which she just believes and, like, runs away. Yeah, I don't want to get no pox. I don't care who this harlot murderess murders, I ain't getting no pox. Uh, and then over at Poppy's, mm-hmm. she's having quite a visit, too, of Jack. Yes, yes. Who's like, I know what you did with my wife. And she's like, oh, he knows that I smooched her. But no, no, no. 
He just knows about, like, the birth control. Jack Jones will kill anyone who dares give his wife contraceptives. And he forces Betsy to say that she is very happy and she is very lucky to have another child with him. But then when his back's turned, she's mouthing, I'm sorry, to Mm -hmm, Poppy. mm -hmm. And again, Poppy's getting her life threatened. Yeah. Jack's not a nice guy. Not no. not not great. No. Uh, like kind of glad we made sure that he was not a part of the Jones family. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm, Jones is a very common last name. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad uh, that Cole Sprouse got to do this because he does it effectively, and it's not something we get to see out of him. I'm equally glad, if not more so, that he's not playing Jughead when he does it because I want to continue liking Jughead. Yes. <laughs> I will say, and I meant to say it earlier, is I love all the bits of Jughead doing the, like, introduction stuff and the closing. Cole Sprouse is having the best fucking time. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think that's his favorite thing of his entire career, (laughs) is just those openings and closings. (laughs) 95 episodes finally leading to the good stuff. (laughs) So back with Abigail, she's questioning Thomasina and like, hey, why did Constable Constable Keller call you a murderer? Uh, and she's like, oh, yeah, you, you asked me if I had a husband? I don't, but, but I did. Uh, she suffered through an abusive arranged marriage. Uh, quote, he didn't like my ideas of educating womankind. Or my rituals. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The rituals are also a, a no-go for him. Uh, and so she knew that it was either going to be her life or his. Mm-hmm. And so she killed him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that just turns Abigail the fuck on. And she's like, <laughs> stay with me. Stay with me forever. <laughs> and they embrace. I am surprised that they did not use KJ Appa for one of these past people. KJ Appa doesn't exist here. He did. Like, they killed him. Like, <laughs> did, did the sacrifice reverberate through time? They are sticking with the fact that he no he doesn't exist here anymore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What I'm thinking is their ritual completely wiped him from time. Okay. I just thought of it because What if he's the frog? Cuz Tabitha died, he's not the frog. <laughs> what if he's the frog? I Well then maybe the frog <laughs> could help everybody because that's Archie's whole thing. Maybe Here of heart. <laughs> the frog. Dr. Pure Ke- a frog. <laughs> Dr. Keller is onto something because Archie's very pure a frog, and that will solve all your problems. Yeah. Do- Dr. Curdle. Mm-hmm. You said Dr. Keller. Oh, sorry. I'm, I'm ruining my predictions. They're the yeah. same guy. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. oh okay. Uh, so, meanwhile, uh, in current time with Cheryl, mm-hmm. Britta comes in and, you know, with her Mistress Cheryl, and we get Britannia. She just wants to be part of this. Fuck that comet. There's spooky shit going on. And I, w- I want to be in the spooky club. And Nana Rose is like, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So she settles in for story time. And the story takes us to mid-century Thornhill, where the Grumpy Gang has arrived. Yes. The Grumpy Boys, led by Reggie. Well, not Reggie, but Reggie. Uh, and Constable Keller and Jack. Are, are there, along with two dudes that I don't know who they are. Well, not Constable Keller. Constable <laughs> Keller is earliest Keller. This, Kirk. Kirk! This is Kirk Keller. This is FBI Keller. Mm-hmm. He's a, he's a G-man. Yeah, you know. They they are there, uh, and Reggie's like, what the fuck you doing telling our wives we can't satisfy them? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> obviously that's what he's mad about, is that 
you telling my wife that I can't, like, mm-mm, so, making her rub a frog on me. Some people like it limp, Poppy. <laughs> so they want her to leave Rivervale, and she's like, <laughs> no. And they push more, and Kirk's like, you know what I do for a living. Don't push me. And they all storm out, making very grumpy faces at her. My favorite part of the Grumpy Gang is the two silent men we've never seen before. Ever. Like, they, they might have been extras in other things, but just, like, completely anonymous silent men. Yes. Uh, so then there is a knock at Abigail's door, and it is Fen Fogarty. Fen Fogarty has news from the front. News of James Blossom. And she's like, yes, come in, tell me, tell me. And all I'm thinking is, hey... Maybe don't have your wanted for murderer girlfriend out in the open when you open the door on a complete stranger. You're you're going to put her back in the murder closet? I'm just saying, like, if she's a wanted criminal that is being searched for, maybe don't let other people know that she's there. That's assimilationist talk. I believe in murderer's liberation. It just seems like they're going to cause themselves some trouble. So so there's this, like, cliffhanger of, oh, what is the news, into the commercial break. And then we immediately get the news, James is dead. Yes. And he gave me this letter to give to you. And so she gets the letter, she starts to read it, and uh, James is an asshole in this letter because his dying wish is that Abigail will take the hand of his dearest friend, Fen Fogarty. So it's not so much that, like, James gave her his will. It's that James gave her away in his will. Yes. Um, but Thomasina does not believe this bullshit right away. She smells a rat. And she's like, hmm. So how intimately did you actually know him? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. And, and Fen replies, well, uh, the war makes bedfellows of all its soldiers. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Mm-mm. So Thomasina pulls Cheryl aside to discuss the fact that she does not trust this dude. We gotta at snoop all. through his shit. We gotta go snoop through his shit. But my brother said, my my soulmate, my twin, my and I'm like, okay, Thomasina, you also need to be like, girl, that is not a healthy relationship with your sibling. <laughs> um, Maybe you could also tell Cheryl that 110 years from now, a <laughs> hundred and two. Yeah, it's been a while. So uh, time skip even more. <laughs> Thomasina's like, we're searching through his shit. He could have forged that letter. He's got darkness in his soul. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, Poppy goes to Pops uh, and sits down at her usual stool, placing her usual order. Which and... is a patty melt sure. with coleslaw okay. and a glass of buttermilk. No! <laughs> what the fuck? No! What? What the fuck? No, thank you. This is foreshadowing. This is foreshadowing. You don't gotta watch your health if you're cursed with immortality. <laughs> I I just can never understand how buttermilk is actually a thing people drink. Who thought that that was a good idea from the start? <laughs> and you know what? Go in a place and be like, mm, you know what I really want? glass of buttermilk that would hit the spot right now she's planning to take it home so she can whip up her famous biscuit recipe this is part lunch part grocery shopping oh but she's not because uh tammy's like well do you want that to go 
Hint, hint. Because everyone in the entire restaurant is staring at her. In fact, the Jones family and, you know, their their elder child, who's like a toddler at this point, uh, they get up and walk out of their booth. They leave. Um, so after, uh, eating her meal in probably a very awkward, uh, situation... You think they're appropriating the lunch counter sit-ins from around this same point? We're in 1957, 1958, this is like Montgomery bus boycott days. Do you think we're supposed to be thinking about lunch counter sit-ins in Montgomery, Alabama? I, I'm not, I don't feel that. Because I kind of think we are supposed to be thinking of that. See, I didn't go to that. What I went to is the fact that you shun women who have children out of wedlock or women yeah. who use birth control. or Yeah. That book that I think I talked about previously that I was reading about nurses that they're like, mm, we shun people who actually are nurses in the war because, like, they're just sleeping with everyone. And so, mm-hmm. like, being a nurse is actually bad. It's just like that. T- to me, it's that. Like, you're promiscuous. And I'd- so we're going to stare at you. I just can't not make that connection, whether intended or not, because they are so deep, especially in Poppy's story, with the issues of the day, with the the Ruskies and Sputnik, and especially in some of her later scenes with Kevin, like... You, you've got to be thinking of the social justice movements of the time, because they're constantly talking about them. Yeah... I guess I just prefer if it's not that because it feels weird. I would prefer that too. <laughs> so I'm gonna go with no. It's just because she has birth control and probably has sex. Because if Rivervale is anything like Riverdale, Pops is the one and only integrated business in this town, and she is a white person being served by a black waitress and owner, waitress uh, proprietor. Wait, later. Kirk does say something about un, like having unsegregated meetings. Mm-hmm. Mm. They are, perhaps unconsciously, definitely calling to mind that image, but in a situation that is grossly inadequate and, and like, really out of place for them to be uh, making that parallel in particular. Yeah. Uh, so Poppy does go home, and Kirk is there uh, with a bunch of his co-workers, um, boxing up her shit, and she is being uh, taken into custody for being a suspected communist sympathizer. Kirk Keller, commie hunter. Chick-chow! We go check in on Abigail and Thomasina, Thomasina going through his shit. And they find uh, in... <laughs> in his trunk. In his trunk. A poppet. Some spell components and evidence suggesting forgery. Uh, someone, pr- uh, a lot of writing of practicing uh, James Blossom's name, mm-hmm. uh, which uh, Cheryl realizes is, you know, this is not his handwriting. Um, this is someone teaching himself to forge James's yes. handwriting. <laughs> uh, there was also the uh, family wax seal and a few other things that made her go, oh, he could have forged it. I was like, you think? I think it's definitely he forged it. Thomasina declares, quote, he's not just a scoundrel, he's a warlock. Oh? Upon seeing his ritual knife and other such things. And then Cheryl finds a collection of death portraits. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she's like, I think he might be a murderer too. And she definitely, uh, that goes from think to he is when she finds a picture of... Uh, James mm-hmm, in a death mm-hmm. portrait. Uh, so they're like, oh shit, he's definitely a murderer. And he's got an axe! Ah! Ah! 
because he comes back from hunting uh because that's where they said he was going earlier and i guess he went hunting with an axe and not a gun you gotta be real quiet <laughs> but you do get to hunt even before the bow people do if you go axe hunting and so he walks in and he's like i'm back with supper and they're like, oh shit, and they try to like close up the, the trunk and everything. Mm -hmm. But he comes up and catches them. And they have the limpest fight I've ever seen on screen. T Thomasina just kind of runs into his arms. Just kind of steps toward him and pokes near... Like, this fight choreography looks like the, the walkthrough. When <laughs> what, we weren't supposed to be filming? Yeah, when they thought the cameras weren't ready yet. Yeah. This is... <laughs> Uh, and so then he has an axe to her head, or mm -hmm. to her, her neck, Yeah, threatening to, you know, cut her throat and unless uh, Abigail marries him. So what we, we've had, you know, four weddings and a funeral. Now we have a proposal and a hostage. It's the prequel. And so he's like, I'm going to lock her in the chapel and you, Abigail, have to go get a vicar mm -hmm. from town within an hour or she's dead. So we got to go check in on Kirk. Kirk is trying to squeeze a confession out of Poppy and get her to sign the yes, I am a very evil communist form. Yes. He's like, so you visited Russia, right? Yeah, for a chess tournament. It does not say whether she was competing or just she just loves chess she just so loves much. It. She'll go anywhere to watch a good chess match. Uh, and so they go back and forth with, well, you did this. So what? What about this? Sign the fucking paper. This is really where this episode starts to feel like Riverdale's very special episode about serious history. Yeah. And also witch murder. Well, that's very serious history. <laughs> <laughs> Agent Keller is just piling on all these uh, accusations uh, uh, by by circumstance and, and shade. Like just the idea that she would hold closed door meetings. like That are unsegregated. Uh, uh. Uh, and contraceptives. She's asked if she has ever used contraceptives. That is something that, that the state is not looking too kindly on right now. And she can't reply with, no, I'm a lesbian. Because <laughs> that wouldn't go over well either. I'm allergic to semen. I like to keep it at least eight feet away from my body and preferably inside other people's bodies exclusively. <laughs> Unless the frog wants to come by. <laughs> Hello, my baby. Hello. Uh, she she refuses to sign, and mm -hmm. she ends up in jail. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, Betsy comes to see her, and she's like, wow, I'm surprised they let you in to see the Red Devil. She is a blossom, after all. She still has to have some sass. Yes. Betsy is all like, I just, I can't, I don't know why you didn't sign. Like, don't you care about us? And I'm like, wow, don't you care about her? You're kind of being a bitch. <laughs> Uh, so Poppy insists that she is going to maintain her integrity. She's not going to admit to something that's not true. She she has her pride. She's going to stand up for the future generations of women that are yet to come. And that makes Betsy kind of cry because uh, she's pregnant again. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There, There is say hello to that next generation. It's on its way. And as uh, she tries to go to comfort Betsy, Betsy pulls away and is like, no, this baby is exactly what we needed. Jacker's mm -hmm. right. You're just sad, jealous, sexually repressed, and a spinster. This is the only time any Blossom has been called sexually repressed. <laughs> right? Right? Not, not something you associate the family with. No. The sad, the jealous. 
Yeah. So back in the present for the first time in fucking ever, uh, Britta has just become Fred Savage sick in bed in The Princess Bride. <laughs> she just interjects and, and snaps the, the episode back to the present just to say, Hey, that's sad. I'm having feelings. Cheryl's like, yeah, so she, uh, Poppy didn't see Betsy for another nine months. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until Jack came to get her because Betsy was in labor and insisted something was wrong with the baby and would only let Poppy help her. And that is because Dr. Colonel Jr. is the only doctor at the hospital and she don't want no frogs <laughs> rubbed on her cervix. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, the frog could catch the baby, but they got such tiny arms. <laughs> such tiny little arms. And they're so jumpy. <laughs> like, you don't want no shaken baby syndrome. <laughs> Uh, they tell her, like, hey, if you come help, we promise that you won't be back in this jail cell again. Which, you know what? That does the trick. She she comes out to, to help an old friend, uh, uh, even with all of the, the badness that has happened between them. Like, say, sitting in the town jail for an entire pregnancy. Uh, so Cheryl tells us that... Habeas corpus, Agent Keller. Habeas corpus. Have you heard of it? They're communists. They don't care. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cheryl tells us that both that night... You know, there. this is going on, and then at the same time, you know, 65 years was Abigail's wedding night. Both of these events, the birth and the wedding, are happening underneath Bailey's comet. Britta's like, what, she had to marry him? What? <laughs> what the fuck? Grandpa? Grandpa. Wesley can't die. Who's going to kill Humperdinck? Humperdinck doesn't die. What the fuck? Nobody kills him. Uh, and so Cheryl lets her know, well, she didn't really have a choice, but she was making a plan. Don't worry. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so then we flash back and forth between the two of them. We flash back to Betsy birthing her baby with Poppy there to catch it. Mm-hmm. Um, as an asteroid comes. Yeah. Not a fucking comet, a fucking asteroid. Comets aren't this bright, okay? Because it looks like the noonday sun has risen overnight as looks, as this baby is crowning. It looks like what the dinosaurs saw when they died. <laughs> Abigail. It looks like the Mothman coming back a season late. Uh, and Abigail is getting married in this giant fucking wed- wedding dress and veil that she just happened to have sitting around. With Reverend Reggie. He has the most amazing sideburns. Yes, yes he does. Some good, like, mutton chops going on. And so they get married. Cut back to the baby being born. Yes. Baby's great. Great baby. Uh, 10 out of 10. Uh, Poppy's like... You know, I was born under the comet. That means it's a sign of great things to come. Also, before I get, here's this little pouch of stuff. You'll you'll know when the time's right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And all I can think is it's very good she didn't assume this was for the baby. <laughs> <laughs> Just gonna say. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, over with Abigail. Fen Fogarty is all like, hey, bitch, it's time to fulfill your wifely duties. Come hop on my little frog. And she's like, have you ever heard of Lizzie Borden? And he's like, what? She killed them all, all her family with an axe. Let's do this shit. And she just fucking goes serial killer on his ass with an axe. It's not the subtlest plan, but it it's certainly effective. 
Yes. So after she thinks she killed him, because, like, his blood is literally splattered all over her and the room, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, she rushes to the chapel to save Thomasina. But Thomasina is- Abigail. Abby. Can I call you Abby? Please, Abigail. You have to check the hostage first. Yeah, I don't know I, like, why we didn't check at this point already. She's not only sitting in the chapel dead before the wedding even began. But he took her photo and developed the photograph. You know how long she had to be sitting still dead to take a picture in 1892? That's a really long fucking time. And things go from bad to worse because it turns out her axe sucks. Though the blood was every fucking where... <laughs> Fed Fogarty is not dead. He walks up and he is bathed in the light of Bailey's comet. And he's like, comets, fuck yeah. So Abigail sees him and she's like, you will burn in hell for what you've done. And he's like, yeah, that's kind of the idea. And he curses her. He curses her to be as solitary as Bailey's comet. To be unloved and alone for all of her miserable days. Those are his dying words and as to, he lays this curse upon her. And to be as everlasting. Mm-hmm. 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 And then um, he just fucking dies. <laughs> just fucking dies <laughs> right nuts. then and there. So, so back with Poppy, she comes out of uh, the hospital room mm-hmm. uh, where... Jack's like, what happened? Because he apparently, you know, missed hearing I don't his baby being born. Like, no cries or anything it's happened. It's the 50s. Fathers are not involved in the birthing plan. They're not involved, but he's literally right outside. I'm sure he would have heard some of it. Like, the screaming stopped. He believes in HIPAA. Okay. <laughs> Just doesn't, doesn't listen. And so once uh, they all find out that uh, Betsy's fine, they grab Poppy. Mm-hmm. And she's like, what the fuck? You said I would be free. No, uh we just said you weren't going to be in jail. So she is sentenced to lifelong house arrest by, by Agent Keller. For being a communist. For being a suspected yet unproven. Uh, uh, communist. <laughs> I don't think that's allowed. So back in the present, Brett is like, huh, but what happened to everybody in the end? So it's time for Cheryl to give us our epilogues. Like the fact that Jack Jones is fucking dead. Under mysterious circumstances that some say was poison, but like there was no proof. But you know, some plant-based poisons don't leave a trace. And this is exactly the thing I was referencing when I said, oh, it's really good that... um." Betsy didn't think it was like, but it's really good she didn't think that was for like a colicky baby or like diaper rash. Oh, she knows about the frogs. She's she's good. She's good she, for colic. She, just make the baby suck on it. It's fine. Um, so yeah, he he's dead. But then before they can get into like what happened to, I guess, anyone else, mm-hmm. uh, the doorbell rings. Uh, Nana's like, it's her. She's finally come. It's Sabrina, of it's course, Sabrina. A- as promised by a-, a huge marketing blitz, and just about every line about or and m- most of them from Sabrina are very metatextual. Mm-hmm. She's finally come, uh, and Cheryl greets her with, "Look what the black cat dragged in!" <laughs> ha 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 ha! Do you see Salem anywhere? I don't see Salem. 
Well, well, th- this first shot, right, of a door opening slowly, and then she turns slowly, and as she turns, the wind machine catches her, her her blonde wavy hair. As season of the witch plays the same recording of season of the witch as like the first Chilling Adventures ads. Yeah, yeah, and so th- they embrace. Sabrina joins um, them up in Nana Rose's bedroom. Uh, and they dress alike. Like, Sabrina and Cheryl are both in black lace tops. Yes. But still very, like, Sabrina-styled and Cheryl-styled. But mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think it's weird how, like, much older Kiernan Shipka looks in this. I'm like, oh, dang! She was a little baby when they filmed before. <laughs> it's really weird because she's, like, actually, like... The age of her character mm-hmm, was mm-hmm. at the time. And so uh, Cheryl introduces Sabrina to Britta, but she's like, hey, you got to get out of here because we got to do some witchy things. I do like that Sabrina introduces, uh, that, that Sabrina explains how they all know each other by saying that her and Cheryl's covens are in the same softball league. Obviously. Obviously. Because <laughs> all witches and vampires play softball. Well, vampires play baseball. It's it's a, it's a subtle but important distinction. But yeah, Britta is kicked off to, I, to like go join the kids' table up on the North Hill. I do like that Sabrina also says that they have a lot of mutual acquaintances, and I like to think that that is ben referencing Button. Ben Button. It's Ben Button. And all those other people that just appeared randomly mm-hmm, mm-hmm. all the time. Um, perhaps also uh, Cheryl in Riverdale's uh, girlfriend. Perhaps. Uh, so yeah, Britta's kicked out, and they uh, need to do a transference spell. Yes, a soul transference with a, a... I mean, if you've seen magic in the last ten minutes of a Chilling Adventures episode, you know what this is. It's a bunch of people holding hands and chanting while wind goes crazy. Yeah, and so that's what they do. Their, their spell is all about exchanging uh, spirits new and old. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. And then after they chant, they're like, it worked! Yay! Yay! We'll eventually find out what worked. Ah, let's just say it now. Uh, basically, it was a soul swap between Cheryl and Nana Rose. Cheryl's soul is now in Nana's body. And Nana for dies. Like, for like a minute before she dies. Yes. And Nana's soul is free to live on in Cheryl's body. Uh, and before Nana dies, as... Cheryl. Mm-hmm. Uh, she says the curse is broken, and they tell her to be at peace. Yes, and as she uh, uh, drifts away into the sweet embrace of death, Thomasina's face just, like, shows up, superimposed. It, it fades in and fades out. Is the house literally haunted by the house of Thomasina making an appearance? Maybe. And then Nana, Ro- or, and then Britta jumps in and cuts us out of this. Just like a very, like, Grandpa, what do you mean? (laughs) Did Nana Rose die? Every question she asked is given the most yes and no, well, kind of, actually both, like, okay, here's the real shit. So Nana Rose's body died. Yes. But Nana Rose is here within Cheryl. Yes. Cheryl never existed. Kind of. Because... Abigail was cursed with never-ending life. Mm-hmm. And so Poppy is just uh, a character that Abigail created to keep living here and, because she didn't age. And, and then, Cheryl is the same. Yes. So 
Poppy and Cheryl are just Abigail. And so... Who has now finally found a loophole to be able to die and escape this curse. By entering a body that was about to die. And so her soul can move on and be reunited with the eternal soul of, of her witch lover, Thomasina. And so Nana Rose is now living it out in a young little body of Cheryl, enjoying her youth. It's like, it's like Roberto is like, okay, everybody, we got five episodes, end of every episode, one of our main characters is going to die, that's the plan. And Arabella Anderson is like, okay, technically, but like, nah, I ain't going to do that shit. Britta's like, wait, for real? Like, she's dead? <laughs> and Sabrina's like, no, there's, there's no real death for witches. I Only, died and came back. Yeah. What a like, wild thing to say. It's fine. I thought they were like respecting and standing up for the Chilling Adventures finale with her line, quote, happy, sad endings are the best. Yeah. But then we're immediately going to be like, ah, 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 I'm not dead anymore. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> and so then we pan to a graveyard filled with blossoms. And Thomasina looking over Abigail's grave. And then Ghost Abigail runs to embrace Ghost Thomasina. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And they frolic through the graveyard, right past Jughead. Who closes out our episode by quoting who he calls the 20-something witch, Sabrina. <laughs> That's uh -huh. cute. I like that a lot, actually. And, and got to age up. And reinforcing that, yes... Happy sad endings are the best. And then we see the old-timey Rivervale sign that uh, looks much different than what we know, but still says, Welcome to Rivervale, established 1673. There be witches here! And the logo on this one is a picture of Bailey's Comet. Yes. And that is the end of chapter 99, The Witching Hour, parentheses S. Ta-da! So what'd you think? This is such a weird episode. Like I said at the top, it's not what I was expecting from no. an all Cheryl episode. I think what I, I... I wanted boisterous, brassy Cheryl. Like, it wasn't a bad episode. No. But it wasn't what I expected. It definitely doesn't stand up to, like, how great, like, last week's was. Mm -hmm. And for all they hyped up Sabrina, that's it? Is she in next week's? Is that all I'm fucking getting? Because that ain't enough. She showed up for one day on one set to do some some winks, some fourth wall winks, and bye. That was not enough for the fucking hype they did. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of pissed. Like, it, it does nothing to establish the relationship between these two shows. And as soon as it was clear what Rivervale is... You couldn't have expected it to. That's not what was going to happen because it's not Riverdale, it's Rivervale. But they could have done something more interesting. She could have done fun shit. She could, yes. Instead, she just sat around an old woman's bed. <laughs> and so did Cheryl. That's all she did. That's all Cheryl did either. Like, I think my idea of having to deal with zombies is much better. Right? Like, would have been so fucking cool. So much better. Especially if we're going to have a scene that's that bloody. Why not do zombies? Yeah, they were caked in the stuff. Uh, fangs or, or Finn? Fen. Fen and uh, and Abigail. Just dripping. They could have done more. Mm -hmm, if mm -hmm. you're... Especially, I feel like, 
with this Rivervale world that gives them so much freedom mm-hmm. with what they can do. Having her come in for the last six minutes of the episode is bullshit. Mm-hmm. Like, she should have come in at least halfway through, or she should be teeing up that she's going to be there in the next episode. Mm-hmm. That's not what's happening. It was. Yeah. That's literally all we're getting. Even the groundwork they laid at the beginning, uh, uh, suggesting that Thomasina was, you know, a Greendale coven witch. Yeah. And that is the legacy that uh, uh, Abigail, and therefore Cheryl, uh, and all of her witchiness has, is is just a a fork off of Greendale witchery. There's potential there that went entirely unrealized. We we got a nice softball joke about it, and that's it. Honestly, they could have done something fun with the whole Thomasina-Greendale thing, and... Not had it be the Sabrina we know, but have it be like they did with the other characters where it's like a Sabrina's relative of the yeah, past. Yeah. You know, this is it Katrina. It could have been Kiernan Shipka playing one of the aunties as, yeah. as a young witch. That would have actually been very fun. And like Thomasina called her there to come help them deal with maybe instead of just having to axe murder Fen, they had to like fight him because he's mm-hmm. a warlock and actually fight his magic or something. If, if we're going to say that in Rivervale, Cheryl was never a teenager, yeah. right? She's just an, an eternal thing, uh, uh, changing her name every generation. Yeah. Then Sabrina can be the same. Sabrina could be a teenager in the 1800s and a 20-something in the 21st century. Yeah. Well, and like the, I feel like they could have played into that more too with the whole like, okay, if Cheryl didn't go there because she's this She's just been living at this age. Mm-hmm. I don't know why couldn't have Sabrina come and visited earlier. And we actually <laughs> see them interact as like friends who have like a history together. You know who I love this episode for? Hmm. Nana Rose. Yeah. This is exactly, exactly how I love my Nana Rose. Is dying? Uh, is making herself immortal and manipulating everything so that this... Uh, a normal little mortal girl gets taken in by a by a witch queen and is like, I'm just biding my time. Oh, don't don't you want to pass on? Oh, don't don't you want to join your your lost love in the great beyond? I'm gonna live forever. I'm gonna rule this fucking town. So here's the question: <laughs> spending eighty years pulling the strings to become the queen witch of eternity. I love Nana Rose so much. So here's the question: Who is Nana Rose? Right? Because she's not, you know, the mother of Penelope. Penelope doesn't exist here. Cheryl's not her granddaughter because Cheryl technically doesn't exist. Who is Nana Rose? I think Nana Rose was. One of Abigail's students mm-hmm. who just stuck around and started playing this role. Yeah. Like in in the generation between uh, Poppy and Cheryl, I think Nana was her mom. And now in the Cheryl times, Nana is grandma. It gave the like excuse of why does this young woman or teenager at times live alone mm-hmm. of, well, no, I live with my grandma. Mm-hmm. You can't question this. <laughs> It's the problem with being immortal too young. People question your existence. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I imagine that Abigail has been, like, manipulating the family fortune and all the syrup farms so that, like, she moves from place to place to make clean breaks and start her new lives. Oh. 
So like the the your average river valian knows that there's this huge blossom clan that's spread out among a number of towns with a number of maple groves. Mm-hmm. But it's really just uh, Abigail under her many guises, and some of them are Nana Rose under a few guises oh, as well now. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. Like the Cullens, they didn't always live in Forks. That's all I'm saying. They have for a very long time. I saw all their mortar boards on on the wall. They've been to a lot of towns with a lot a of lot, high schools. A lot of towns, but like they like rotate around. Yeah, they, they gotta. They got. They've been there a while, but yeah, they gotta change it up every so often. Exactly like Abigail slash Poppy slash Cheryl. Yeah, you got some predictions? No, do you? Yes, but mine's based off of the trailer. <laughs> See, and that's why I don't have any predictions, because without, because uh, it turns out I was deadly wrong uh, with something I said on Rivervale week one. The idea that this miniseries, this event series format would mean they had a clear plan, uh, something much more traditionally serialized, building to something. No. No, no, the, this is very this is very episodic, chapter-driven, as always, with even less serialization than usual that we don't have to, like, pretend is being executed normally. Just that polite fiction has been stripped away. Yeah. We, we have Ghost Week, we have Witch Week, we have Devil Week. I like Devil Week. Devil Week was good. Devil Week is good stuff. What comes next? I don't know. They weren't building to anything. Can you imagine, though, if there there were, and, like, there were hints that Cheryl never had a mom that any of us can remember, that Cheryl didn't go to high school with all the others? Yeah. If, if little details like that were being seeded earlier in Rivervale, how much cooler this episode would have been? Well, and that's, the, like, now I'm, like, trying to think back, and I'm, like, just with, like, the, the Midsummer episode, mm-hmm. none of that was there that implied mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. and it's so weird. <laughs> Would have been a very fertile ground to, to lay, lay some of those seeds. Yeah. Arabella, you gotta talk to your boss. You two gotta get on the same page. You didn't actually kill anyone for real. <laughs> well, Fen. Okay, yeah, okay. But Fen is not a central character. Fangs might, maybe, but Fen and, is and, not. And Jack. Not a central character. I mean, Thomasina killed someone. Off screen. <laughs> Just saying, there there was a lot of death. We just it just you know not in the same category. I killed Abigail, <laughs> but like witches can't die, so like no. So let's talk about what we know is coming in next week's chapter one hundred. Can you believe 100? it? One hundred, chapter one hundred, the Jughead Paradox. This is a, just a fucking name. It's just a name. You know how many paradoxes there are? That's a lot. There's a lot. Some of them are movie names. Which one are they referencing? Maybe none. I'm sorry. <laughs> what we know is Jughead is hallucinating. Mm-hmm. This seems to be a straight up science fiction style parallel world and Jughead is the guy that can see both. And he's talking about how there's Riverdale comes first and then there's River Vale and, and there's a paradox and blah, blah, blah. The bomb is back. Jason is in town and he and talks. He talks. He, he fucking t- speaks. He says, hey, Jughead. What? This is something that I was hoping and praying would be saved for the finale. But honestly, episode 100 is another great time to finally have words come out of Jason Blossom's mouth. Yes. 
It's pretty exciting. I, I get that. I, I'm okay with that one. Um, we also get lots of the classic Archie character costumes, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which I love. And it is a lot of the costuming designs that they've used previously like for all of them. That that season one dream sequence. Yes. Um, one thing I've noticed, I did notice because I did see some like actual like pictures of this. Mm-hmm. Uh Archie's pants are a different type of plaid. <laughs> Just so you know. For, for your records, yep. yes. But yes, Archie is back. KJ Appa has returned to the show after a three-week absence. TBK is there. That's the Black Hood, dear. Black Hood. The Black oh, yeah. Hood is there. Oh, yeah. They kind of blend in. I was like, you got a different <laughs> type of trash bag. It's matte black. It's a t-shirt with eye holes in it. Uh, Jughead sees his own corpse in a body bag in the morgue. Uh, Bughead makes out. And in a wonderful detail that I love, uh, Jughead is walking around the town sign, and on one face it says, River Vale, with some slogan or other. And when he walks around the back, it says, Riverdale. <laughs> oh. And uh, Jughead's also typing in what I think might be... Like his apartment at Archie's and the windows get blown out. Some sort of a hurricane attacks him. And that is the trailer. And do you want to know my prediction that connects to the trailer? I would love to know your prediction that connects to the trailer. Okay. So I was going on, like, I had a thing very early on that the whole Rivervale stuff is like in Archie's mind because he's like in a coma from the bomb. Changing that. Uh-huh. It's Jughead. Mm-hmm. The scene of the windows blowing while he's writing was him in his apartment over Archie's garage typing away. Archie and Betty got out from the bomb mm-hmm. that was under the bed. They didn't know Jughead was there. Uh. He gets hit with the blast of it. <laughs> Not enough, obviously, to kill him, but enough to put him into like a coma or something. I- and Rivervale... This whole thing, like this whole episode of episode 100 is going to be him trying to fight it and figure out like how to come out of it. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. I think uh, on at least one detail, you're exactly right that that is Jughead typing in his uh, garage apartment and the blast is not a big storm or whatever. It is the bomb going off. It's the bomb. Definitely right. Rest of it, we'll see. But I, I think, I think that that's now a better route than like the other way. I still think there is a path where this is Jughead writing Rivervale, and this is the final chapter where it gets metatextual and it ties into the real world and things get a little more accurate to life, which is its own sort of of wild fantasy world. I don't deny that it might be his writing, but it's after he comes out of the coma and he remembers all his, like, dreams. Ah, okay, okay. And then he, like, inspiration. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he gets, like, a five-issue comic deal. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you all for, for joining us for the penultimate episode of uh, uh, the Rivervale event series. Yeah. The the second to last episode of 2021 uh, while we're at it. So uh, what you can do is, uh, you know, leave us a rating and review mm-hmm, wherever mm-hmm. you listen to us. That does uh, really help us find new people. But a little more directed way to do it is to just talk to people. Talk. People. Tell people about our show, what what uh, uh, keeps you coming back, what you like about it, uh, how much fun you have. And a lot of people are going to be traveling in the near future, mm-hmm. which is a great time for, for people to be looking to for something to keep them company in their ears. Yep. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at, uh, at sex underscore Archie. At suck underscore frog. <laughs> suck the frog. 
frog. I think the frog is my best work. <laughs> That's what God said. Because <laughs> you just rub it on the thing and then it does a little lily pad and doop doop doop. Sprinkle this in his roast beef. Mm-mm-mm. It's because a proper wife has dinner waiting for her man when he comes home from the office. Yeah. And the dog brings him his slippers and his pipe and all that shit. Dinner. Are you speaking of wifely duties? <laughs> yes. And the, the roast beef. Who's roasting <laughs> whose beef? Just rub the frog on the roast beef. The guy from Akewood? <laughs> the guy from what? Is a comic strip, and one of the main characters is a talking cat named Roast Beef. Oh. Or maybe he's a dog. I'm not sure. You don't know if it's a dog or a cat? All right. I got to show you what, what Roast Beef looks like, and you will also be confused. I think he's a dog. That's a, mm, that's a dog. Those other ones are definitely dogs. I think that one's a bear. <laughs> I don't know what the little guy is. I just know he's a special boy. Uh. So anyways... Follow us on Twitter at sex underscore Archie and, and avoid rubbing frogs on things. It's probably not the best to do. Okay. Okay. What? He's a cat. What? He's a cat. What? That's not a cat. Beef, like Ray, is a cat and is interested in computer programming. He has a wife, Molly Sanders, whom he met in heaven during a near-death experience. Beef visited Molly there twice, once after being shot by Pat and once after driving a golf cart off a cliff while high on marijuana. What the fuck is this coming? <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> so with that, I'm Elena. I'm Grant, and from us here at Sex Archie. The Kama Sutra. It's the bee's knees. 